Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. You have the most amazing contacts, Marvin. Maki Benman is our guest. This is a woman of many passions. I can't wait to ask her about any one of the, the many pathways that she's taken in monetizing her creativity. Follow your passion. That's what I learned. I receive comments from many people like, you know, what, what do you really want to do? Like, why do you do so many different things? But I'm, I'm the type that whatever comes, I'll take it and then try it to see if it works. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? If you continue, well, chase your passion, it will eventually be monetized. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello everyone, it's Marvin Polis here, your co-host of Monetizing Your Creativity, and joining me once again is the other co-host, Fred Keating. I'm in New York City, and I'm in the lobby of the wonderful Mercer Hotel, and Fred is back in his home office in Vancouver, Canada. Fred, tell me who's with me today. You have the most amazing contacts, Marvin, I tell you. Maki Benman is our guest uh, uh, today, and... This is a woman of many passions and many pathways. I can't wait to ask her about any one of the, the many pathways that she's taken pursuing her passion in monetizing her creativity. And in fact, although we're in New York City right now, or at least I am, Mackie is actually from Japan, and that's part of this very interesting story. Welcome, Mackie. Good evening. How are you? Just fine, thank you. And you? Very well. Thank you for having me today. Fred, do you want to lead off on this discussion? Yes, but I'm very nervous because I know that Mackie was an international DJ and interviewer, <laughs> and so I expect at any moment for her to say, uh, what exactly is your question, Fred? And so my first question is, can you tell us the story mm -hmm. of how a Japanese young woman mm -hmm. wants to travel, then travels, and some of the amazing things that happened to you along the way, especially how you got into that radio business. Yes. I was working, at the time, I was working uh, for a PR agency, and I was an uh, account executive. And uh, one of my clients wanted to sell a radio show made in New York to a Japanese radio station. So I was calling every station, <laughs> one by one, and asking them, would you be interested in purchasing this radio show made in New York? And Everybody said, no, thank you, no, thank you. But there was one person who was not really interested in the radio show, but he was interested in my voice and the way I spoke. So he said, you know, can you, do you speak English, first of all? And then I said, yes. And then he said, can you tape um, your voice and then send us a demo? And, and I said, why not? And so I, I talked to my friends and we made the funniest demo and then sent it to him. And he took it to uh, um, Kiss FM Japan and they hired me immediately. That's how I got into uh, the radio business. Oh my goodness. Now were you in New York at the You're, time or were you no, in No, I was, in, I was in Japan. I was in Tokyo. And so I was scouted uh, <laughs> over the telephone. That can happen. <laughs> this is fantastic. Tell us about the, the nature of the radio show. So, uh, the first radio show I got in was, um, um, it was about the, the, uh, the music and uh, travel, and it was a very fun uh, Sunday morning show. 
but I was not such a good radio show host because I, I, I just started and then I never had the, the experience. And so the station was going to discontinue my radio show, to be honest, after six months. And then I really wanted to continue. So I said, um, I have a very good business plan. And so um, I presented, I, I made a great presentation about how to sell my radio show to um, a big corporation and so on. And then the, the radio station execs were uh, impressed with my <laughs> business skills. And so they said, okay, we're going to continue with you. And so then I really got into this and then I became um, a better at it. And then, I, I, and then they continued my radio show and then they gave me a promotion. I got the bigger show and then eventually I got the, well, I, I moved to a bigger radio station. And did the famous celebrities that you interviewed, did yes. they come to you or did you uh, get to go to them at their concert uh-huh. venues? And well, uh, many of them came to my radio show in the stu- to the studio and then sometimes I had to go to their hotels and then did the interviews and the concert halls as well. To name a few, um, Chicago and uh, uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. And oh my. Yes, Ricky Martin, Andrea Bocelli, Macarena. By the way, I was the first DJ to, uh, to play Macarena in, <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> and I showed them how to dance, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Gypsy Kings and yeah, Eminem, Mariah Carey, and just to name a few. Now, these are all artists who have very much figured out how to monetize their own creativity. What are some of the things that you learned from them? Well, I thought that if you continue, well, chase your passion, you will eventually be monetized. Follow your passion. That's what I learned. And one can actually make a living at it. Exactly. It might take time, but if you continue doing so, one way or the other, I think it will happen. Did you ever run into artists, Mm. performing artists or creative uh, artists, who in fact uh, pursued their passion and caught it and then got tired of it or perhaps Mm -hmm. felt trapped in Mm -hmm. it Uh, and would they share that information with you? I can't remember anybody uh, uh, to be honest. I've I've heard a few famous musicians Mm -hmm. uh, uh, quietly tell me that Mm -hmm. that, uh, singing the same 12 hits that they had early in their career over Mm -hmm. and over again can become a bit tedious and it seems mm-hmm. like nobody wants to hear some of the new work they just want to hear the old stuff that they grew up on mm-hmm. and I, I wondered if if any of the musicians you spoke to ever uh, confessed to you that it wasn't as glamorous mm-hmm. as it might have seemed right no to be honest no they changed it the, for example uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page they like gods to some rock fans and oh, yes. but they changed their how do i say this approach to music and they traveled to india and to morocco and then they brought all these traditional sounds and ethnic rhythms to their rock music and they created their um their own a new vibrant chapter right the most impressive artist that i've interviewed is yes. actually canadian his name is Kanan. He was a Somali refugee. I was in New York City at that time, and then one of my Somali friends said, oh, we gotta go check this guy out. She said, he's a rapper from Somalia. So I, I went there, and then there was a crowd. Everybody was from Somalia. So it was just like a Somali community um, embracing a, a rapper from Canada. And, but when I first heard, when I heard his first song, I was blown away, and I thought, I have to interview this person. 
and I contacted the Japanese radio station and I asked the, the, uh, the manager, the uh, Kenan's manager, and got the permission to record the music and then interview him. And I interviewed him um, the next day. And he was broadcasted in Japan. The first time his music was introduced to a Japanese audience. And he's continued to rise. Yes, he did. Yes. He didn't give up. And he, he just went on and went on. And then he finally sang the song for the World Cup. I was so proud of him. Now tell me, what occasioned your move? Uh, to New York City. So uh, in 1999, I left all my radio shows because I had a passion. I wanted to see the world, and especially Latin America. I wanted to speak the language, Spanish and Portuguese, and I wanted to be the, um, the bridge to connect people, to make each other, uh, each other understand each other. Yes. <laughs> I really wanted to study Spanish, and then I left Japan in 1999 and we moved to Guatemala and we meeting my daughter and I and then immediately I was scouted to be a radio DJ in Guatemala City and so I became a, the first ever Japanese radio DJ in Guatemala City and I also started writing a column for a Guatemalan newspaper. Right, now was that in English or in Spanish? It was in English. Okay, I'm just because you're, it sounds like you're a very quick study of whatever you go after, so I just thought I'd ask. I know, I think I was very, very fortunate. Whatever I went, that there were always people who helped me and supported me, and then my life, of course, changed, and I came to New York. Then I followed my another passion, which was to become a chef, and then I, I, I wanted to, to cook. I happened to meet, meet some very famous chefs and then they wanted to hire me but I was practicing practicing and eventually I um, developed the tendonitis and I couldn't hold my knife anymore so I thought okay maybe this is the time I'll go back to Japan I'll give up and that that's when the United Nations called me and said would you like to work for us in part-time I applied to, for the United Nations two years prior and I've completely forgot that I applied for them and then they, when I was about to go home, they called me. And then my UN career started. And this was the protocol. This is where yes. your passion for protocol <laughs> and international travel and all the tracks that you'd laid down started to come together and converge. Yes, exactly. I had to assist all these um, heads of state and government. And It's not an easy job. And Mackie, here in New York, you're, you're back doing radio as well. Tell us about this. Yeah, so um, it was my dream to work for the UN since I was a child, and then I fulfilled my dream. And then um, I had an opportunity to work for um, a radio station again um, to send a New York report. So, so you came yeah. full circle. Yes, Your exactly. Your passions circled around exactly. and brought you back now with this incredible experience internationally and in New York and made you the perfect person. Yes, and then I also met my perfect husband. And so he gave me some space that I could do what I really want to do. He, he, he encouraged me to follow my passion. And my passion is radio. And then my passion is also to write books to encourage people and, and about my experience, my wildlife, and about my beautiful daughter and my great husband and beautiful son. And so um, I am writing a book about my, my life. I've talked to many publishers and I asked them if they would be interested in publishing my book. 
And again, everybody said, no, thank you, no, thank you. However, there was one publisher, they said, uh, we're not ready to publish your book, but would you like to write a column for us? So now I'm writing a column. And I just actually came back from Japan because the radio station I worked in Japan, they had their 30th anniversary. I appeared in the, their 30th anniversary um, special program. Lovely. Maki, you're talented in so many ways. I mean, very notably as a radio show host, somebody who who has monetized her voice talent, I guess you could say, and her interviewing talent. You're also clearly very talented as a writer and you know, your work at the United Nations and so many other things. Tell me, I mean, what's what's the common denominator in all of this? How have you, I guess, monetized your passion? You know, I, I receive many, uh, I, I receive comments from many people like, you know, what, what do you really want to do? Like, why do you do so many different things? But I'm, I'm the type that whatever comes, I'll take it and then try it to see if it works. You know, we all like to talk about following our passion and, and really going for it, but, you know, that really needs to be done in a responsible way. Can you tell us about that, your, your thoughts on this? Well, I believe that yeah, if you follow your passion and then work to improve your skills and enjoy what you're doing, there will always be a path to lead you to your dreams. And these paths may not be direct. And sometimes your dreams will be realized in different forms. There's always a reason for that, but you only learn the reason much later. And then there will be a moment like, aha, that was why. But I don't think there's any waste of what you're doing. It's always meaningful. Now, in the meantime, should you be giving up your day job, so to speak? I would say not. I mean, chances will come, but you can't rush. Don't quit your real job until you can support yourself with your dream job. Leave your dream responsibly, I would say. Now, it seems to me that these opportunities are, are kind of like boats and, or, or ships, and they're passing by, and you can choose to board the ship and explore the opportunity or, or not, but maybe it's a good idea that you should try. <laughs> You're right. Um, people always ask me why I do different things, and, you know, radio DJ, cook, and the UN, and why not stick to one job? And I always answer that was my life path. Yeah, just like boats. Like I, I, I jumped on the boat. And I guess sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't work out. Stay on the boat if it's working out, but try another one if necessary. I would say so, but there's also a meaning to why it's not working too. So it's important to have patience. Let's talk about the UN because that's been part of your background as well. What are your thoughts on how that's contributed to your career? I felt that it was a privilege to work with um, colleagues from all over the world and we worked together for uh, the, um, the same, um, to make a difference. And it was always my dream to work for the UN. Now, how has that made you a better radio personality? How has that made you a better writer? There's such a unique opportunity to work with um, people from all over the world. I became more tolerant and more understanding about others and different cultures, different backgrounds. And also my experience as a live broadcaster helped me at the UN when I was coordinating events and faced sudden schedule changes or to be prepared for unexpected happenings. So I don't think there's anything that's wasteful. Everything has a meaning and everything can be connected at the end. So, indeed, every experience that comes your way in life is actually an opportunity to learn 
and an opportunity to help make you better at your craft. I believe so, yes. The interesting thing to me, Mackie, is that every time one of those boats comes by, you have the toolkit that they seem to need at that particular moment. It's really serendipity. And actually, there are people who say, if you have multiple talents, you should really just focus on one of them and become very, very good at that one thing. I'm hearing that you would disagree with that. <laughs> I wish that I could have done that, too, but... Um when there's a boat, why not take it? Well, Mackie, thank you for sharing these words of wisdom with us. Fred, we're just about coming up on time. Is there anything that you'd like to add? Well, I'd really like to ask Mackie to come back if in fact it's convenient for her because I, I sense there are some stories here and some paths that we have yet to take. Oh, I'd love to. That Well, there, it's a date then. Marvin, put that down in your calendar. Yes. We're going to come back and... and, and uh, Ask Mackie for some more stories. Splendid. Thank you for joining us today, Mackie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.